So it's good for us to be together this morning. I'm glad to um, be able to uh, celebrate the things of God today and to share our share in our community table and all that stuff today. And to be able to celebrate uh, some of our students that are getting ready to move on to different phases of their lives after graduation. We're, we're glad, I'm glad to be a part of all that. Um, and uh, today, um, I, I want to speak to that a little bit about uh, maybe kind of a word of counsel for those who are getting ready for um, the next phase of their lives. Uh, but before we get to that, I do have a couple of things that I want to uh, bring up that are happening in, uh, among us over the next few weeks. We have some really, uh, a couple of really significant things. One of them is uh, something that we talked about last week, uh, which is on May 19th, we're going to have an event here uh, that we're calling Service After Service. It's really clever, right? Okay, yeah. And what we're going to do is after our worship service uh, that day, we're going to come back at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're going to gather for a, set of worship, uh, for a set of service projects around our community. So we've looked into uh, different things that we can do to serve our neighbors uh, in our community, and we're going to uh, get into little groups of, uh, of, and teams of people to go do that, okay? So I want you to be thinking about that. It's going to be at 3 o'clock on um, May 19th, and plan on being a part of that. Just reserve that, that little bit of that afternoon to come and uh, and be part of service after service that day. Hope it be something we could do from time to time, but this first one, I think uh, I, I want you to come be a part of it. And just for what it's worth, Wilson Avenue and Highland Hills are going to come with us too. Some of uh, our sister churches in town are going to join with us that day. So um, play, plan on coming and being a part of it. Um, getting, let, let's, get to, let's bond together. Let's get, grow closer together as we serve our community, right? Um, I think one of the best ways for us to be knit together in, in relationships is for us to be about the work of Jesus in our neighborhood, right? Is that right? That's always been my experience. So those times when you're, doing, you're, when you're working together for, for the sake of something, uh, it really has a way of bringing, um, helping your relationships grow deeper. So May that's May 19th. The Friday before that, which is May 17th, okay, um, we're going to do something that we do from time to time here, and that is we're going to have an evening on that Friday night uh, uh, to have some uh, prayer practices. We'll have like prayer stations set up, um, and it's just going to be a night that we will reserve for, uh, for all anybody that wants to, to come in uh, and to just spend a little bit of time in prayer that night, um, and we'll have some kind of guided exercises for, for you guys to do, uh, do that with us. So uh, that's on May 17th, um, prayer, and then on May 19th we'll have services. And hey, you know what? These are the kind of things that make us who we are. Our, our dedication uh, to serving our community, to serving our, our neighbors, but also um, our dedication to uh, growing deeper in our relationship with the Lord through prayer and, and worship. And that's who we are, right? Um, you know, these, those, those two greatest commands are to love the Lord uh, with all that we are. And then also to love our, our neighbors too, right? So we want to we wanna be about that kind of work. Today, at the end of the sermon, is going to be something a little bit different. We uh, haven't done this in a good long while, but there's going to be an opportunity uh, for, for you to share something, okay? Um, today's sermon is about uh, wisdom, and it's targeted towards some of those that are getting ready to move on. And one of the things I want to do is I want to ask you all, okay, and this, this is not rhetorical, okay, this, it would be really good if there were real answers for this, but I want to give you an opportunity, if you have a 
piece of wisdom, okay? Uh, maybe a, a little bit of advice somebody gave you once upon a time or a little, maybe a proverb that's been important to you um, or something like that. I'm gonna, at the end of the sermon today, I'm going to ask um, if anybody has something like that they would like to share. And we're just, uh, you know, we're going to have just a, a little bit of time, from maybe four or five people uh, just offer a little bit. I'm not looking for long stories. I want to be clear about that, okay? Uh, I'm not looking for long anecdotes about you know, your life experiences, that kind of stuff. But if you have just a little bit of a nugget of wisdom that you want to share, particularly for our, our young people as they, uh, as they prepare to move on uh, to the other, uh, other phases of life, um, I, I, I want to invite you to be ready to share that. So you may want to do that. If you're not comfortable um, saying, oh, we're gonna, I'm just going to ask you to you know, stand up and say that wherever you are, and, um, and then I'll repeat it from here so that every, everybody can hear if you're, not, uh, if you're not comfortable doing that and you want to write it down on a card and then pass it to somebody who can just come bring that up to me, then that's, you're welcome to do that too, okay? So just so you know, there's going to be opportunity to do that in just here in a little bit. As I think about what is, what's important for young people who are kind of crossing these thresholds of uh, graduating from high school or graduating from college for that matter, thinking about what you're going to do with your life and beginning uh, to think about a life that's independent from uh, your parents and all, all that kind of stuff in some way or a different kind of uh, uh, relationship there. As you think about that, I want to give you uh, two things this morning, okay? And they're, they're both pretty tightly related. Because I want to encourage you to think about what it would mean to have a life of wisdom. I don't know what you're thinking about with your life right now in terms of like what it is that you really want to, uh, to get out of life or what you want to do or what you want to be or to become. Um, I heard a story uh, this last week. I was over in, in uh, Pepperdine at the lectureship uh, out there, and I heard a story of, uh, of a professor that uh, once had a, had a, a, you know, one of his college students was like asking him all kinds of, uh, you know, questions about the subject they were in, and, and at one point um, in this kind of philosophical class, the professor said, wait, I, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, do you want to live a beautiful life? It was like not the kind of question you're really ready to answer in class, right? Okay, but he, so he stopped, the, the student stopped and thought about it. Um, and the professor said, and, and, and after this, the student finally said, yes, yes, I do. And the professor said, well, you're going to have to decide what really, what really a beautiful life means, what, it really, what that what that looks like. I want to suggest that one of the ways that we can really understand what a beautiful life looks like is by building a life of wisdom. And it's interesting, it, it may, you, may not, you may think this is just incidental to the way that Proverbs and then the other uh, forms of wisdom literature that we have um, are composed, but have you, have you noticed in that all that stuff about wisdom that those books are also deeply interested in things like beauty as well? Have you noticed that? That it talks about the things that we see in nature or the beauty that we discover in other people. And it's not accidental, right? Because when we think about life, okay, and we think about what a really beautiful life is, it's really deeply connected with wisdom. Following a course of wisdom leads to a life that really is truly beautiful. Really, really is truly beautiful. And, of course, leading to a life of foolishness turns into some pretty ugly stuff. 
there are two ways I want to think about that in relation to some of the things that Proverbs says today. And um, I want to just commend these to you today. The first one is that if you want to live a life of wisdom, if you want to take that road to a beautiful life, then I would encourage you to start right now. Whether you're 18 or whether you're 81. And you need to start with the dedication to cultivate a life of wisdom. And the good news for you 18-year-olds is that you've got some time to do that. Okay? For you 81-year-olds, you know, eat as well as you can, you know? There's really some truth uh, to the old proverb that says, uh, that kind of the, old, the old Asian story that says, uh, when was, when's the best time to plant a tree? And the answer to that is 20 years ago, right? And then, of course, the, uh, the response is, when's the second best time to plant a tree? Anybody know what the answer is? Now. Right now, right? And so wherever you are on your journey, the dedication to cultivate a life of wisdom is really important. It's important if you're young because you can begin to build a sort of life of wisdom that will bear fruit for you as your life goes, okay? But it's also true that even if you're in a, in a, a later part of your life, if you continue to follow a path of foolishness, then foolishness kind of compounds on itself and, and things get worse and worse, right? You know, you guys know what the first step of getting out of a hole is, right? Quit digging. Quit digging. Yeah, quit digging. That's right. Because we have to find places when we realize that we're on a path of foolishness, we've got to stop that. No matter if we're 18 or whether we're 81, whether we're in the middle of, uh, of our lives or whether we're on one of the extremes. That dedication to deciding that we want to live a life of wisdom is important. And church, I think it's important for us to realize that as a community of faith, one of the things that we call each other to is to living a life of wisdom. We want to call people to come and join the story of Jesus, to accept his gospel, right, and, to, and accept the, the gift of salvation that comes from Jesus. But we don't stop there. We also want to commend to people the kind of life that Jesus offers us, the wisdom that God offers us too. We want to be calling each other to a life of wisdom, thinking about what it means for, for us to have that kind of thing, have that kind of beautiful life. You know, the, here's the deal about that, uh, that wisdom life, too. Um, if we want to do that, it's one thing to say that you want wisdom, but it's another thing to really cultivate and nurture the constant desire for it. Because here's the catch, right? Everybody says they want wisdom. Almost everybody would say that, right? If you said, if you said do you want to be a wise person or a fool? Okay, most people will say, I want to be a wise person. But there's a big difference between saying, I want to be a wise person, and saying, I'm going to orient my life so that wisdom will grow in me. I'm going to shape my life so that wisdom will be cultivated and nurtured and it will grow. There are a couple of Proverbs that I want to call your attention to. Of course, that stuff that was read, that uh, Andrew read for us just a few uh, moments ago in the first chapter is kind of... Pretty, it sets the stage for Proverbs saying that this is what I'm inviting you to do, to come and, and to think about and to hear wisdom. But hear this line from Proverbs chapter 19. This is in verse 8. It says, to get wisdom is to love oneself. 
To keep understanding is to prosper. See, we really we 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 want good things for ourselves, right? We do. And what Proverbs says, I mean, this is just so true, right? That if you really want to have a good life, a beautiful life, a whole life, a prosperous life, one of the things you have to do is you have to begin to really have that desire to be a wise person, and you've got to cultivate, cultivate the sort of things that will bring that about. There's another line in, uh, in chapter uh, 7 where, um, where it says, Say to wisdom, say to wisdom, you're my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. I love the language of that, right? Because it's saying you need to make wisdom one of the most intimate, close relationships in your life. Like, treat it just like you would, like that friend of yours that you want to, that you want to be able to spend time with, right? And, uh, and, and a friendships, friendships grow by spending time together and, and by getting to understand each other and learning about each other, right? I, I had the great pleasure this last week of spending time with a couple of old friends that, that I, I, I cherish their friendship. I, I really love their friendship. And I'm telling you, just to be able to spend time with them for a few days, it's like... It's like honey for my soul, man, right? It fills me up. You know what that's like. I mean, I, I, I see some of you saying, if you, if you can cultivate that kind of desire and that kind of understanding of your relationship with wisdom, to where when you spend time around wisdom, when you dwell on and consider and meditate on wisdom, it's like spending time with an old friend. It's like something that just belongs at your table in your house. It's like your sister. Like Wisdom is the kind of thing that we want to be able to cultivate a relationship with. Not just leaving it to chance whether or not we become wise or not. Not just, not just hoping that over time, when we look back on our life, we'll say, well, we, we turned out to be pretty wise fellas. You know? Turned out to be a pretty wise gal. No, we want to like start off as whenever we can and really intentionally cultivate wisdom. Seek it out. Treat it like it's one of your best friends. Treat it like it's one of those favorites in your phone, right? That you often call on it. You often look to it. You often think about it and dwell on it. Seek it out. Learn to recognize it. You know that friend of yours that when they call, even if you didn't see the caller ID, you heard their voice on the phone, you would know who it was instantly? You would just recognize their voice? Let wisdom be that for you so that you learn to recognize her voice whenever she calls. And also, the other side of that, of course, is so that you recognize somebody else's voice who's trying to pretend to be wisdom. You recognize imposters as well as the real, genuine thing. And the only way that you come to that place where you can really discern and recognize what, true, what is wisdom and what's foolishness is by cultivating a relationship with true wisdom over time. So that's the first thing that I want to say. Is I want to encourage you to like really dedicate your life. Really say to yourself, I want to become not just an educated professional, I hope you become that, right? But dedicate yourself to become a wise person. Cultivate a desire for it so that you think about it often, all the time. 
And then I want to share the single best trick to that becoming a reality, okay? And that's this. If you want to become a wise person, if you want to cultivate a desire for wisdom in your life, you must surround yourself with wise people. Surround yourself with wise people. Now, Proverbs has a lot to say about what that looks like in different ways. There's a lot of uh, Proverbs about, uh, about friendship. One is in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26 where it says, The righteous gives good advice to friends, but the way of the wicked leads one astray. In other words, you know, if you're, when you're in a, a friendship with a righteous person, you're going to get, just naturally, over the course of the day, you're going to get good advice. You're going to get wisdom from them. But if you're not, man, over time, that foolishness is going to erode you a little bit. It's going to erode your sense about what really is wise and what's really foolish. And, and that, that stuff just pays, pays, pays negatively over time. It costs you, right? The second proverb I want to share with you is in Proverbs uh, chapter 13. And this is a, a really interesting one, I think. It's, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. I, I find that to be true. I find that that idea of when you build relationships with wise people, um, over time, it, it has a way of rubbing off on you, doesn't it? Right? I mean, that's not 100%, it's not foolproof, but I'm telling you, it's pretty close. And when you spend your time with people who carry wisdom, who value wisdom and honor wisdom, it has a way of shaping your life to you, you are a wise person too. There are a couple of different ways that's been true for my life. Um, one of them is that I've, I really have been blessed, and I talked about this last week, but uh, um, I've been blessed with good, God-honoring friends for a long time in my life. I, I, I can, can't even count on all my, if I take off my, finger, my, 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 my shoes and count on my hands and my toes, okay? I don't have enough fingers to count the good, godly friends that have been part of shaping my life um, for for goodness over, over the course of my life. It really has made me who I am. And every bit of wisdom that I have comes from relationships like that. When I think about the friends that I was with last week, or I think about uh, a couple of friendships that I had in high school, of people that loved the Lord and wanted to learn from the Lord, wanted to honor God with their lives, and wanted to, um, wanted to be a part of godly communities. I mean, those friendships have shaped who I am over time. So it's, it's good, it's important to have those kind of peer relationships, friendship relationships with people who are wise. But there's another part of that that I want to uh, consider too. And that is, if you want to become wise, one of the best things that you can do is you surround yourself with wise people, is make sure that you're connected with mentor people too. People that are older than you, who have gone a little bit, who have more experience than you, who have been down the path a little bit and can help you see what's coming up ahead. Now, when you pick a mentor, and I think there's a lot of different things that you look for. You want to pick somebody that has, first of all, that, that has the kind of life that you want to kind of aim for, right? Pick somebody. You, I mean, if you want to have a, a life of wisdom and beauty, then you need to you know, think about what, what that would look like. You need to think about uh, what wisdom and, uh, looks like and find somebody that in your community that, that kind of rec 
recognize that. And listen, it may seem like the weirdest thing in the world, okay? It may seem really uncomfortable, but have the guts to then say to that person, hey, I see in you wisdom. You look like you've learned some of the things that I want to learn in life. I, don't, I just want to spend some time talking about some of that stuff. I mean, that'll, they'll, that'll bless them. They'll be honored. They'll be grateful for that, okay? And it may be the start of a kind of friendship or kind of mentorship that you'll need and change and shape your life. But some of those things don't have to happen all that, you know, formally like that where you have a conversation. Will you mentor me? Sure, I will. Let's do this. Okay, like a lot of times it's just that you begin to put yourself in the orbit of people who evidence wisdom in their lives. When I think about people that shape me, I don't think about just my friends, just my peers. I have, I've had some great ones. I've had some really great godly friends through my life. But I also think about uh, Dr. Kenny Barfield who was our debate coach in high school, who spent a lot of time um, driving me around with some, with some of our, my friend debaters in a van, going to different tournaments, and talking to us about what it meant to honor God with the gifts that, he had given, that God had given us. I think about Laurie Mitchell, who was the first person that looked at me and said, you know, you ought to get on a stage sometime. He was my drama teacher in high school. He's was uh, Stuart, he's uh, Bob's cousin. Uh, it was her husband, and, and Stuart and Laurie Mitchell were a part of shaping my life and helping me think how about how my, the way that I acted impacted the younger people in our school like, like their kids. Really was important for me. Really, really helped, helped shape who I became. I think about uh, Dan Stockstool, one of my professors up at Harding, who um, helped me, not just, didn't just teach me all the textbook stuff about, about youth ministry, but also helped, uh, helped me see wisdom along the way. I remember a great conversation that we had one night, uh, very soon after I graduated, where he, just, he basically looked at me and said, you know, it wasn't that what I was doing was wrong, but it was foolish. He was like, you know, there's a, you know, there's a different way here. We had this kind of encounter where he just showed me some wisdom about ways that I needed to structure my life. And I've never really forgotten it. I think about um, people in the shepherds that I've had, both at um, Pleasant Valley or, or here at Cedar Lane, who have been a part of kind of offering me wisdom in those points that I needed it, right? And not all of those were people that I've walked to and said, hey, I need a mentoring relationship. Will you comply? Right? Not that formal. It's just the people that were in my orbit, people that were in my world. And I do some intentional things to put myself with them over time. I do some things to put myself where I can receive and, and, and digest and honor some of their wisdom. Listen, for you guys setting out and getting ready to graduate... This is the best trick I've got to how you get to Destination X where you have a beautiful and wise life. The single best thing you can do is to surround yourself with wise people. I believe that. I believe in your friendships and in the people that you choose as mentors in your life, the people who, you, um, who you're going to spend time in their sphere, in their orbit, I believe that makes a huge difference in who you eventually become. So go seek that stuff out. Be intentional about it. Think about who it is that you, you surround yourself with over time. It makes, it makes a huge difference in the way that your life will turn. When I think about those things, honestly, 
that is like the single best thing about the church in my life, too. I mean, the church has taught me religious truths and spiritual truths for sure. Um, but when I think about what I have really gained by being closely engaged with churches over my life, it's that I was in touch with people of wisdom. I thought about uh, this a lot over the last year when I think about what it is that the church really has that's so unique in the world. And one of the things is that we are, we are a community of wisdom. We're a community of wisdom. And that's not to say we don't have a few fools hanging around too, okay? It's not like you can just come in here and you turn off the discernment factor and just assume everybody's wise. That's not the case, okay? But I will say this that in the community of people who are trying to follow Jesus and honor him with their lives and trying to seek and to learn from God and people who are dedicated to trying to seek those things out, there are many, many people in this place who have found wisdom along the way, who have found uh, what it means to, for, for us to be people who live, w- build wise lives together. And I love that, Right? I love that this is a place where if I'm really thinking through some issue that I'm wrestling through with my life, there are people that I can turn to in this this room who can offer me wisdom for those things. There are people in this community who are are part of my world who can offer me instruction in wisdom. And I love that. I love that about who we are. It's kind of, that's why I wanted to have this moment sort of at the end of the sermon today, where I wanted to kind of uh, let this sermon not just be a couple of points of wisdom from myself, right? Uh, I wanted to hear some of the things from our community. I really do. I would love to hear just a couple of nuggets of wisdom, just as a way of representing that for us and making it real for us uh, today. So who, who is it here that could give me a, uh, just a l- nugget of wisdom that you've learned along the way? Don't need a long speech, but just a nugget of wisdom. Somebody's got something, right? Don't let me down. I seriously just talked about you guys. Okay, Mac. Mac, tell me. Okay. Everybody, uh, wake up your neighbor real quick. Some sleepy people might need to hear this. All right, Mac says this all probably so true. Mac, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? That's great. Thank you, Mac, for sharing that. David, yeah. David Calvin says, don't sell your soul for the American dream. I love that. Thank you, David. Yeah, I think about that. One a little proverb that I've said to myself over and over through time is that the highest prices in our world are never paid in dollars. Anybody else have, who else has a little bit of wisdom for me that you want to share? Yeah, yeah. Love and forgiveness frees you, but hate and revenge traps and imprisons you. That's from Steve Farmer. Thank you for sharing that. It's true. It's true. Bitterness is a way of foolishness, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Who else, who else has a word? Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm going to say this so everybody can hear it. R.H. Jackson says, don't become a critic when you should be a student. That's, that's good wisdom. <laughs> who, else, who else has a, a word of wisdom? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So I love that, Fred, and I wish I had a grid. <laughs> in, a true, in true engineer fashion, you know, right here, okay? All right, so let me, I'm going to try to see if I can get all this right, okay? He who knows not and knows not that he knows not is a fool, uh, shun him, right? That's all he said, okay? I'm so fresh. <laughs> no, he and he that knows not and knows that he knows not is simple. Teach him. He that knows not. What's this one? This is the this this a sleeping. He who knows and knows not that he knows is asleep. Awake him. And then the last one is he that knows. And knows that he knows is, is wise. Follow him. Go talk to Fred. Get the uh, version of that. There you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, a great civics class. I think you pick up stuff all over the place. Yeah, Mike Fitzgerald. That's great. That's great. Thanks, Janie, for sharing that. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> actually thanks, Felix, for sharing that, right? Yeah, go ahead, Maurice. Don't wait six or seven decades to realize that your teacher, your parents, your school system, and your grandparents were not as dumb as you think they were. Maurice says, Don't wait six or seven decades to realize that your teachers and your parents and your grandparents were not as dumb as you think they are. That's right. That's good advice. Yeah, Ed. Yes. From Miss, this is from Miss, uh, Miss Luella here. So from Miss Luella, she says she prays for you that when you go, as you go out into the world that you will resist, have the wisdom to resent, resist temptation and what was the last part? And pray every day. And pray every day. That's very, thank you, Miss Luella, for sharing that. Yes, Tommy. Yeah. I like that because that's a connection both with what you, from what you heard, I'm trying to do some math here, <laughs> about 30 years ago, right, uh, from the thing here, and then also something that connects with James that we, uh, we studied last year, right, uh, or earlier this year. So Tommy's was from Joe Beam, a workshop at, from Bel Air uh, in, in 90, around 91, um, and it was that if you pray for wisdom, expect dramatic upheaval in your life. And of course, James teaches that that's because sometimes we have to go through adversity to gain perseverance, and that's the sort of thing that leads to wisdom, right? Very good. All right. Is anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donna. Uh-huh. Donna offers, she says she learns this the hard way. So that's kind of a connection, right? If it, seem, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, that's right. 
Oh, over here, Bill Scott. <laughs> say, <laughs> all right, say that again, Bill. That's great. He says, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. I'm glad that you decided to share that. There's a little irony there, um, but I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Karen. So Karen says that she learned from the Bible where it says, if you, have, if you need wisdom, you need to go to some of the wise women of the church, the older women, older women of the church, right? And she was seeking wisdom and other people out that, that were giving her foolish wisdom that was destructive, but when she came and received it from wise people from within the church, that shaped, shaped her life. I appreciate that, Karen. Thank you for that testimony. Yeah, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel Dye says, remember when plan A doesn't work. And I know you've kind of lived this over the last few years, right? Yeah, this is your life. Uh, listen, I, hey, I, I respect that. Rachel says, remember when plan A doesn't work. Remember there's 25 other letters. Yeah, yeah. Katie Curley says, comparison is the thief of joy. You see what I'm talking about, about the importance of us being a community of wisdom? You get it? It's important for us to learn to be able to hear from each other and to be able to see the kind of wisdom that this place is a treasury of wisdom. If you need a loan, go to the bank. If you need wisdom, come to the church. Come to the church. This place is a storehouse of great wisdom. And just like we need to say to our young people, hey, learn to find ways to receive that, we need to be saying to each other, we need to find ways to offer and share that with each other. One last thing for today, and that's this. We're talking about the church, we're talking about the community, but I, I want to I make sure that I offer to you this great truth, which is, of course, why we're all gathered together. And that is that the greatest bit of wisdom and the biggest way of foolishness is to try to figure all this stuff on, out on your own without God in your life. Mm -hmm. Following the way of Jesus is the way of wisdom. Following any way without Him is a way of great destruction and peril. It's great foolishness to set out on your life without Jesus. And I would say, you know, I, I hope you pick up wisdom over your life. I hope you dedicate yourself to uh, becoming a person of wisdom and to, and to collect it, being parts of a community of wisdom, having wise friends, wise mentors, and all that stuff. Man, even if you do all that, don't do it without Jesus. Don't do it without Jesus. 
Pledge yourself to the Lord. Become a disciple of the best teacher of wisdom that the world has ever known or will ever know. Become His disciple. and Trust in Him for the things that He says and the things that He's done to offer you full, beautiful life here on earth and in the world to come. Go to Jesus. His is the ultimate way of wisdom. If you're here today, whether you're 18 or 81, and you've been living your life without Jesus, I want to invite you to come and become His disciple. To come and take seriously what He offers you in the world. There is no other way than the way of Jesus Christ. If you need to come and receive that, then do it while we stand and sing together. Come ye sinners.